1: Hello everyone, welcome to Fifty Shades of Blue. This is just a podcast for the jaded BYU sports fan, which I imagine there are many of those. I got together with a good friend of mine, Chase, who, uh, you know, we've always had these conversations about kind of what it is about BYU, why are we big fans, uh, why is it that they upset us as much as they do, you know, all while being some of the biggest homers ever. Anyway... We just thought it would be kind of fun to share some of our conversations about what our opinions are of BYU sports. We kind of wanted to offer different perspectives than what we usually hear out in the media from a lot of guys that have a hard time kind of towing that fan line versus kind of being objective media, so to speak. And we just want to maybe offer something different where we can embrace that fanboy side of us while also uh, trying to, you know, look at what is real and what isn't with BYU. So... Hopefully you enjoy it, um, and uh, hopefully you can share some of this with your friends. Uh, we appreciate you listening.
0: I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate the program. I hate their fans. I hate everything. So it felt really good to send those guys home. Timber for death has become a big-time college basketball star at BYU. Shut the hell up! That's one of my lyrics in the song. There couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than Carlino, me. Carlino, a bounce to Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Made to wake up! So the
1: three. When you're doing what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays a you know plays a part in that magic happens
0: watch the the three. Three. Goal. Goal. He got it and the Gales
1: win it. Alright. Chase, this is uh Fifty Shades of Blue.
0: It's time we get this going.
1: Right? It's been a long time coming. We've had a big gripe with uh, BYU in general for a while, right?
0: Yep, uh, we've been dealing with BYU for 30-plus years now, and <laughs> I think we've seen, what, one or two successful seasons in the midst of that, so...
1: Yeah, so there's a, yeah. there's a lot of jadedness, so to speak, that we've been through, while uh, still being probably the biggest fangirls of BYU there is.
0: That would not be an understatement at all, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice of you to join us, by the way, uh, uh, just recently having turned 33 and also newly vaccinated for COVID. I thought that was relevant.
0: Yeah, that's why they, I mean, I I called the coach and let them know I'm available to play and they don't have to worry (laughs) about me testing positive, but uh, they declined my offer, so. That makes sense. Podcast was the next best (laughs) thing.
1: Yeah, glad to know that we're your uh, safety. Um, Let's just, honestly, let's just get right into it and talk bowl game coming for BYU, Central Florida.
0: The Del Boca Vista Bowl.
1: The Del Boca Vista Bowl, exactly. It's actually the Boca Raton Bowl. Is that what it is? I believe
0: believe you're correct. It's the Boca Raton. Never heard of it until this year. Who's sponsoring that? That is... I'm going to say roofclaim.com.
1: So it's essentially the equivalent... It's Florida's equivalent of the Las Vegas Bowl. Because you don't have many bowls named after cities. No, I think.
0: Right? And UCF is sort of the... uh,
1: they're kind of the designated team for that bowl, I'm guessing. Yeah, I
0: guess uh, they're, they're Orlando, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And so, one thing I saw, I think Greg Rubell tweeted this. Um, BYU hasn't won in the state of Florida ever.
0: That sounds like a very Greg Rubell stat to, <laughs> to be aware of. <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> Gotta love Greg Rubell and all his cool stats. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of them like, are pretty impressive, and then others are like, It's like he basically just tries to shoehorn BYU in the same company as, like, Alabama, Ohio State, (laughs) (laughs) Notre Dame on a good year, Clemson, where he's like, these five teams are the only ones to have fumbled once in a three-game stretch in this time frame, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's like okay cool man that's what so, you yeah, gotta that's what
0: you, that's what you gotta do as a BYU fan though if you wanna exactly. if you wanna feel like you're an elite company you gotta find strange criteria to, yeah. to get there
1: and Greg Rebell does that for us you yeah. it's not an easy job I mean honestly the big, the biggest reason I just kind of cover this aspect of why we even decided to go with this podcast is so we don't have to just have the opinions of guys like Greg Rebell who I, I've actually met on a personal level and I really I do like the guy uh, he's a nice he is a nice guy but, and, and that goes for Jerem Jordan as well. I don't mean to be name dropping here, but we'll talk more about this as this goes on, obviously. All nice guys, all jackasses at the same time. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean they're basically PR wings of BYU. And so it's like their opinion doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, ben Criddle, I lump him in there. I haven't actually met him personally. I don't know what he's like, but he's probably a nice enough guy. I, I just, their opinion sucks. And this is summed up, we actually talked about this recently. There was something that Criddle said about how don't blame the defense, like don't blame the defense for how we lost to Coastal Carolina. Remind me of this, because I remember you actually responded to this, and it was really well stated.
0: No, it was something along the lines of him citing the fact that we held Coastal Carolina below their season average of points, and that was somehow a validation of the defense, and not taking into account the fact that they kept our offense off the field the entire game. Uh, thus, you know, mitigating any benefit we got from holding them down to that point level, but he didn't seem to take any of that into account. He was just happy to know that the defense held them to X number of points, and therefore it was a successful game.
1: Exactly, and yeah. he's 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 making it seem like time of possession isn't even a factor at all when it comes to winning, no. or that it's not a referendum, a negative one in this case, on defense, yeah. right? When the other team's time of possession, I don't even know what it was in this game, but it was honestly... The total is 48 minutes. Coastal Carolina had the ball, I feel like, for pushing 30, maybe even more that game.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you're going to say that that's not the defense's fault? Like oh. eight, nine minute drives, like eight or nine minute drives is what I mean. Um, isn't gonna like seriously? How are you giving your offense a chance if all you're doing is just getting like letting the offense get four to five yards a play? And and Ben Crittle is here defending the defense. I'm, that's why I'm just like I'm sick of these. I'm sick of these stupid ass opinions of these guys that it's like you're not like are you're just trying to find reasons to defend a team let's let's just cut it out well like,
0: it's like it's like listening to politicians talk it's like yeah. listening to a debate where everything has to be spinned in some positive direction to show why they're you know whatever company they're representing that you know they're they're in the right and it's it's exactly it's just not fun to listen to
1: and then the quote objective so to speak media that we have access to in the state of utah consists of like the losers on the radio for, like, 1280 and the zone stuff, like, that actually just hate BYU and have to find reasons to try and like them. It's, like, the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so you're just not really getting good angles at all anyway. I don't mean to harp on that too much, but... Um, anyway, so talking more kind of about this game, what should we expect? And my my takeaway right now, I honestly think... We, we were just discussing how BYU at this rate at this point is favored by seven... I, I could totally see them losing this game. I, I really could. I, I don't really have a lot of faith. I think... Um,
0: well, it, pe- people putting their money on it seem to disagree with you because the line started at 3.5 in favor of BYU, and it's climbed up to 7. So the money's going down on BYU right now.
1: Yeah, I get that, but... Pe- they, those people that are betting on BYU probably haven't seen him play as much as I have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a good philosophy. I mean, you would assume that a lot of the people betting on BYU aren't actual BYU fans, <laughs> You're right?
1: right. Um, I I don't know. I just see that they've got such a high octane offense, quite like ours. Yeah, um, they're a good team, and I just have no faith in our defense. Granted, their defense is supposed to be horrendous as well. Though. Yeah, not no. not that ours is actually horrendous. I wouldn't say ours is horrendous. Um, Statistically, ours is much better than theirs, but we both, I just don't, I don't, I don't have any faith in our well, defense. Well, yeah, the, well, the
0: American Conference doesn't play defense, that's, that's kind of been their MO for the last several years, is they just score 50 points a game and, and let the other team do whatever they want with the ball, and UCF does that really well, and, uh I mean, honestly, UCF, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the year that we were playing UCF in a bowl game, I would, I might have guessed that was a New Year's Six game, because, they were a preseason, I think the highest rated G5 team. And at one point during the year, they did get into the top 10, I believe. And um, so, you know, and, and it's also funny because had you told me earlier in the year that we were going to lose to a team named Coastal Carolina, I would have assumed we would have been 0 12 this year. So, <laughs> um, But no, UCF is a good team. I think that's a team that I, I don't see us blowing them out. I think it's going to be. Well, we always, whenever you look at a game like this, you assume it's going to be high or low scoring or whatever, but I I feel like whatever you think is going to happen, it's always the opposite. So maybe this will be some, like, defensive battle. But. It's not... Well, yeah, sure, that would be... Don't... Yeah, no, not a <laughs> chance, I don't think. Like, what's the over-under?
1: I actually haven't looked at that. The
0: over-under... See, it's BYU's is a 7-point favorite, and the over-under is 71.5.
1: 71.5?
0: 71.5, yeah. That's a high I,
1: over. That's... Oh my goodness! But you
0: know it's like a thirty-eight to thirty-five kind of game, which is a
1: yeah. You but you mean? don't see many over unders that high.
0: No, yeah. Usually fifties normal, sixties pretty high, seventies very high. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. So. What was I gonna say though about um? Oh. In terms of the draw of the bowl game, this actually isn't as bad of one as we may have initially thought. I mean, the Boca Raton Bowl just sounds. Terrible. Del Boca Vista. Like, nobody, yeah. nobody freaking cares about that bowl. It's okay. like, it seems like we took the first one that we had a chance to, and then news came out later that had we not had a bowl game on Tuesday, it's it's possible we could have played a team like Georgia yeah. on Saturday. And so it's like, was was it worth potentially holding out for a different bowl in hopes of getting a better game for Saturday? We kind of figured, and who knows if this is right, that it, it would have been kind of sixes that we either could have gotten – a game with Central Florida that's a solid team, and no game on Saturday, or a good game on Saturday and a terrible bowl is kind of how we figured yeah. it would have played out. Probably. Well, and
0: the Georgia thing was it was all pie in the sky because we don't know if the SEC was going to allow that to happen. I, we just know that Georgia was theoretically looking for a game. They didn't ended up not even getting one. I think they were talking about playing Colorado State, and that never seemed to pan out. So I don't know if that was even a true possibility, or if it was just kind of something floated out there. Uh, I don't. We don't even know how much control BYU had over the situation. Whether you know their contract with ESPN basically locked them into a situation where ESPN was going to tell them where they're going. It's and, possible. Yeah, yeah. And now you look at all these teams opting out of bowls. And I mean, this really might have been the best deal we could have gotten when you look at the other options. Out well, there.
1: that t- but not. I mean, in my mind, I think with all these other teams opting out of bowls, that just means there's like a buffet of bowls to choose from all of a sudden. Not to mention being partnered with ESPN, yeah, you'd think you'd have a nice pick at a bowl. I'm not saying we should have held out because yeah. I think Central Florida, like, is actually we talked about this before, yeah. is actually a better opponent than we initially thought. I mean, for one, they're like, what are they, 28th in the AP, the 29th, yeah. 29th yeah. in yeah. the AP, yeah. and. It's it's very likely we would have played like Oregon, maybe yeah if, four,
0: spot, four four whole spots better in the Fiesta Bowl yeah granted and, a lot more money and all that if but, we would
1: have ended up making yeah. it to a New Year six yeah which like this is about the same level of game that yeah. you're getting which yeah. is fascinating to I me I mean
0: obviously I think we'd be happier to beat the Pac-12 champion. Even if they're number twenty-five, right? That means way more than beating.
1: beating a like not even the best team in the AAC. Yeah,
0: but you know UCF's still a pretty big name. They've earned some respect over the last few years. They, they've kind of replaced Boise State as the premier G five team, um, year in and year out. So it, it's a good game. I think. I think when you lose to Coastal Carolina, this is what you get. You get UCF, I mean it's, it's a good bowl game. It's probably going to be the most watched non-New Year's bowl game in the bowl season. I would say.
1: Do you think we would have gotten a New Year 6 for sure had we beat Coastal
0: Carolina? I think the second we didn't blow Coastal Carolina out was the second we lost the New Year 6. Yeah. I think even if you win that game, I mean, look at Coastal. Coastal basically replaced us, and they didn't get a New Year 6. So, you know, it would have come down to the committee and whether they wanted to put us over Iowa State and Indiana into that 10th spot. I think they were the last at-large. And... I think if you blew Coastal Carolina out, yeah, you probably get that tenth spot. But as it, you know, if we would have just won on that last play in a one-point game, I'm not so sure they do us any favors, and we probably yeah, end up just being bitter that we went undefeated and we're still playing the same bowl game anyway.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, okay. On that note, too, I don't want to. I don't want to switch topics from Coastal Carolina before I make this clear. Freaking, by the way, big time bitches on that team oh
0: yeah and there was the fan like the little kids like little five-year-old kids saying f byu or something like that <laughs> i don't care about that but <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow this
1: is like coastal carolina went from like hey this is just like a friendly match for like competitive yeah. like group of five teams so to speak to like actually f off coastal carolina right. i hope you guys die in the next week. The,
0: <laughs> the thing is, though, like, that's kinda ha- if you're Coastal Carolina, that's the attitude you have to have. You have to have... This- no, it's not. You they, have to be dicks. You, know, you have to have this massive, ridiculous, short man syndrome chip on your shoulder, and that's how you go win games like this. this. Is like They have to show up to the BYU game ready to be dirty, ready to just be absolute pricks, and that's how they get under our skin. They and don't have to like this.
1: adopt Governor Boggs-type laws where it's okay to just assassinate Mormons on the spot. I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. I am not rooting for those guys ever again. But I kind of get where they're coming from with the attitude and, and with the the Bush League stuff they're doing. I, ah, whatever. It's kind of <laughs> like if BYU played Alabama or BYU played, I don't know, Clemson, we would kind of have to take that role of being the Bush League kind of dirty... Guy. I don't know. That's just my philosophy on
1: maybe, it. Maybe that's what we're missing. I don't yeah. think you'll ever see that on a Satake team personally, right? You'll never... Like, if anything, like, I, the, one of the first things I noticed when Satake started coaching at BYU was that our players were helping everyone off the field. Yeah. No joke. I, I mean, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but even the opposing players that they knocked down, they would, they would help yeah. them up, and, and that was, like, a theme for that first season of, of Satake, and I guarantee you it was kind of like this culture he was trying to put yeah. on the team.
0: It's almost over the top, though. I don't know how I feel about seeing our guys. Well, if
1: 2017 team. was any indication yeah. that it was over the top, of yeah. course. Like, I mean, we were way too soft.
0: But wasn't it under Sataki Was it under Sataki or Bronco where we punched that Boise State guy in the ball sack?
1: Probably Bronco.
0: Okay, I I, I want to say it was honestly I I Sataki, but it could have been Bronco. I'm
1: pretty sure it was Bronco
0: because I felt like Bronco defenses kind of had that reputation of being a little dirty. Like I remember the uh, was it the Nebraska game where we took that guy's knees out and there was like what big, are
1: you a Ute dude?
0: No, again? I'm I'm just saying <laughs> under Bronco it, it did see. I'm not saying we deserve the reputation. But the Utes and in in Boise State, they they tried to push this narrative that BYU is just a bunch of dirty bastards. Uh,
1: you, Yeah, and I think it was all under Bronco, because I remember yeah. the, a lot of that was coming out before we played in that bowl game against Utah in, what was that, 2015 in Vegas?
0: Yeah, that was that game,
1: yeah. 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 But anyway.
0: No, but I, I, I feel like under Bronco, we did kind of have that Coastal Carolina, just like that... St- chip on our shoulder, just like blue collar, hard nosed type of football. That Came at the cost
1: of having a bunch of Rudy Rudigers on the team as well. That yeah. Like, yeah. He loved those players, man. Oh yeah. Like I I actually I do still think Bronco Mennon might, no joke, and this is my like like total like BYU fangirl yeah. coming out. I I think I think Bronco Mendenhall is one of the best defensive coordinators in the in the country still I really do
0: yeah not um, head, not head coach but defensive coordinator I'll, I'll agree with that that's why I said yeah. defensive coordinator and not head
1: coach thanks for <laughs> thanks for adding that clarifier where it wasn't needed oh <laughs> well, I
0: know you you do have a history of being quite the Bronco defender like so. <laughs> I've ever even
1: said he's one of the greatest coaches in the country dude uh, like I've ever even come close to saying that.
0: There's been a I, I remember you I've throwing. Been... I remember you throwing his name in the hat for the Michigan job uh, around this time last. It year. wasn't
1: me throwing it in the hat. It was me saying others were talking about all
0: right, it. All right, all right, all
1: right. jeez are you freaking good. kidding me, dude? Like I was the one saying you know who'd be a good fit at Michigan. Bronco Mendenhall No, it was I saw a list Of people that they mentioned And I was like Now that's interesting Yeah Bronco sure seems To be getting looks Well The guy's making Three and a half million Right now At freaking Virginia well, he So should... it's like it's it, Apparently you're the one <laughs> That doesn't think He's that good of a well, coach When everybody Bronco, else thinks he actually Is a pretty good coach
0: Bronco should have struck While the iron was hot Because he had an opportunity To jump to a higher level Program this last year And he stayed put at Virginia And I'm not sure He's going to be able To replicate Did he get an offer? I don't know if he did, but I know his name was thrown out there for a few programs. No, 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 I
1: threw his name out there, apparently. Well, I'm I, think, the one, I think
0: you I think you started I'm the right. one calling Michigan
1: I, saying, you know, you guys should really look at Bronco Mendenhall. I think
0: you tweeted about it enough that it started trending, and then these other <laughs> yeah, people picked up on it. That definitely it.
1: happened, for sure, for sure. Anyway, on that note, Bronco Mendenhall is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I, I, I actually do feel that way, but um, like I said, I'm a BYU fan girl, so take that for what it's yeah. worth.
0: Uh, at least Bronco blitzed every once in a while.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tuiaki, let's he, get him out of here. Has
0: he blitzed twice all season? I don't three think times? so, man.
1: Like, I, no joke. I, I I want Tuiaki out. I think he's I think he's got to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen because I think I was just looking it up. Uh, BYU this year is ranked number three in the country in points per game allowed. Now, obviously, you and I and everyone listening knows there's all kinds of context built into that. First of all, our offense being so good that we're staying on the field for large portions of the game. We're playing not so great opponents. All kinds of factors that go into that, but since Tui- Tuiaki's a friend of Kalani, he's going he's gonna to point to stuff like that to keep him on the team. I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if Kalani had the, bu- had the balls to go and pull the trigger and get rid of Tuiaki. It's not going to happen
1: man it's, it is kind of unfortunate that you can't like pull out hard stats necessarily it's really the eye test and Tui is just not there like we've had too many occasions where our defenses just let us down I feel like in specifically in big moments like Coastal Carolina and yeah I mean that Houston game I was like okay great like here we go again yeah like
0: you know that houston game felt like we were going to lose and it wasn't until the offense lit a fire under them that, that onside it, kick yeah, kind of was yeah, the catalyst that was for that, yeah. right anyway. and zach wilson just being an all a world beater that, that was basically the only reason we won that game and frankly the only reason this team even got on the radar this year
1: well speaking of which zach wilson this is really relevant considering who is even on this podcast you and i were among Zach Wilson's biggest non believers, if you will. I I we talked about him all the time. Going into the season, we were kinda like, Jaron Hall's kinda gotta be the guy, right? Like he just seems to have the biggest upside. Right. Zach Wilson seems to have stagnated. Um, I hate his mom. I think the Draper mom (laughs) thing was like totally overblown. I can't believe she would get five-minute segments at a time for ESPN while a game was happening, by the way. Was that
0: her fault, though, or was that ESPN? Yeah, no, 100%, (laughs)
1: dude. When her Twitter was like that loud, I know she was indulging in it. I know she was.
0: (laughs) She's allowed to tweet, though. Dude, she's from Draper, man. She spent
1: Guaranteed she had a standing appointment at the Treehouse Athletic Club at 6 p.m. every day of the week
0: probably not incorrect in that <laughs> statement <laughs>
1: take that for what it's worth yeah no um,
0: no wilson though i i, I mean I, I was almost more vocal about it than you i mean oh I, you
1: definitely were and the
0: thing is i, never, I was holding
1: out hope yeah. but I, I i had my doubts for sure
0: and the thing is i never said wilson was a bad quarterback i just felt like the moment he went down last year and we brought in hall and we brought in Romney, It felt like the offense started to click in a way where for the first time in several years I was watching a team that felt like a top twenty five team. That was in the Utah State game, the Boise State game. And then we decided we're gonna bring Wilson back and then we go right back to suck again. And so it was like like we
1: felt like it was kind of this classic like BYU has this weird necessity to be loyal to like the guys that we think are good coming in. Yeah. Like, we, we thought... we It's like we owed it to Wilson, so we were scared, like, oh, shoot, we have to let him try again. Yeah, because he
0: was considered this big blue-chip recruit, and, you know, we have to give the blue-chip Well, chip he wasn't guy.
1: technically a blue-chipper.
0: Well, yeah, but he was definitely more hyped. Right. He was
1: a well, highly hyped yeah. recruit, obviously, right? Four-star, went because committed to Boise State, last second withdraws, Jeff Grimes. I'm sure Jeff Grimes had a conversation with him right at when he was hired and said, I want you at BYU because I want you to start, yeah. because I don't know about this Tanner Mangum guy, but you might be able to start over him at some point. I, I would almost guarantee you that conversation happened. But um, here's the thing. Because g- going through that, that season last year, I remember we talked about this. And we, you, we got a chance to see all three quarterbacks and how they did with the team. And Jaron Hall was kind of cut from the same cloth as Taysom. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying he was like Taysom. But like athletically and kind of intangibles, there was some Taysom-esque am, ways sure. he was playing. Baylor-Romney, after I saw him play, I, no joke, I came at, after that, I came away saying, I actually think Baylor-Romney is the best passer of the three. And the only main, which well, I should say the main difference being, he trusted his receivers. And that's one thing that Wilson never did. I actually thought the biggest problem, the biggest knock on Wilson was that he didn't trust his receivers. He would wait for them to get open, and yeah. then he would try and hit the target, and by then it was closed, right? The window, like, the window, is only open for so long, and what you really have to learn to do is to trust that your receivers are going to be at a certain point that you've agreed on. They're going to look like they're covered, but by the time the ball gets there, they've made their cut, and it's just a bang-bang play. Yeah. And Wilson never did that. He relied more on his legs to try and get his receivers open. You saw that a lot in the USC game, actually, yeah. and it just happened to work for their favor because I think USC's defense really underestimated Wilson at the time. And so after all that i was kind of thinking like even romney like seems a little bit better than wilson in some respects i really thought so he's not as athletic as Wilson. Yeah. there's no question about that but that's the biggest difference that wilson made this year i think i think uh, he goes through his progressions extremely well but on top of that he trusts his receivers and i think that's the biggest single difference that he's made from last year to this
0: well and to me it's it's his downfield throwing has been unbelievable I mean he you, you see him let the ball rip and you fully believe it's going to be right on target and I I can't remember the last time a BYU quarterback had that effect on me even John Beck and Max Hall I don't remember when I saw them wind up and go deep that it I had full faith that it was going to be an on-target pass but with Wilson this year his completion percentage downfield has been like out of this world I think it's by far the best in college football right now and um but yeah, going back to like Baylor Romney and everything, he I think that guy, like when you watched him last year, he just had football instincts and in he was decisive and he seemed coachable. He seemed like a an offensive coordinator's quarterback who you can say, this is the play, this is what you're going to run, and he would actually run the play. That's kind now, of what you
1: see in Alabama's quarterbacks year yeah, in and year yeah, out. He yeah, just yeah. like gets the job done.
0: And when Wilson, it just seems like he was playing backyard football and it reminded me a lot of... How Tanner Mangum kind of played where he just relied on scrambling around and finding a guy breaking open and launching it down the field to him And so I, I just didn't have a lot of faith in Wilson going into this year, but he proved me wrong It's probably the worst take I've ever had as a BYU fan Well, I
1: that's what well, I would act. actually disagree with you there yeah. though because I think based on what we saw it wasn't unfair Yeah, like it wasn't unfair. I, I think what we need to really do. I mean we're giving credit where credit is due yeah. I'm not saying necessarily we were wrong I just think we didn't really have faith that he would correct those things and get as good as he did. I mean, he's let's be real. He superseded everybody's expectations. Oh, yeah. No Nobody one's... thought he was this good.
0: Yeah, I think Jake Heebs actually did say he would be an NFL draft pick last year.
1: Oh, but like anybody's gonna take that seriously? Yeah, anyone
0: anyone can have a take like that. Just because you have a take like that doesn't mean you're right. I mean, you look at how many teams did he get
1: in the like? How many teams did he get? Like four different teams in in, in college football. <laughs> no, done? like we, we
0: gotta be careful how seriously we take JT here. <laughs> but it does bother me that there's these jackass BYU fans out there that think that they like knew that Wilson was gonna be what he became. Like,
1: that uh, yeah, yeah, because they were basing it off of like. What the hell are they seeing? Like, we're seeing the same thing. Yeah. Like, it was complete faith. It was just like this pie in the sky. I just believe still because he was a four-star recruit. Yeah. He was going to go to Boise State, and instead he came to us. And it's like, don't know. Don't okay. freaking give me that garbage that, like, you knew he was going to yeah. take straight That you knew, by the way, I have it on good, like, and good information, that he went to, like, San Diego all the time in the offseason, supposedly. Uh, He's making either. that track. I, and... I did hear
0: that somewhere through the grapevine. <laughs> Something like <laughs> that's that's
1: kind of that's insider info. Um, working out with John Beck and uh, Drew Brees and things like that. There, rumor has it, there's a picture of him and Drew Brees out there somewhere. I don't know.
0: I will say though that BYU fans, especially the Cougar Board types, they they view their 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 big recruit quarterbacks like the son they never had. <laughs> it's it, it's so weird. It's so weird like how defensive or, or they no 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 get.
1: or the son they wish they had. Because yeah. you know they all have sons. Yeah, they have
0: sons but they're not good at sports. And so <laughs> they're just, terrible at sports. <laughs> so they so they have to latch on to Zach Wilson and pretend like have like Zach Wilson frame and pictures play above out, their bed. And
1: play out these fantasies on Cougar board all the time. Just like I believe in Zach Wilson. Like maybe
0: if I give him enough props on Cougar Board he'll come have Sunday dinner with, me, with my family.
1: <laughs> I can relate to that though, because I do want Dax Milne to marry the daughter that I don't have. I do so, want that. I love Dax Millen. How old is
0: Dax Millen right now?
1: I don't I don't know. But I just hope he, he waits for her yeah. because I love him. No. <laughs>
0: he, he he's in quite the story. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a walk on at BU. Oh no, I I take that back because Dennis Pitta was a walk on. So he's he's in the same track of like a Dennis Pitta.
1: He absolutely is. With that said, Dax Milan has benefited from two big, big breaks this season. Uh oh actually I'll cover that in a second, but we we talk about Zach Wilson and the against the schedule, and one thing that we can kind of all agree on is that his mechanics are so legit, and the way he actually passes the ball oh, yeah. is so like on target that it's not just a bad schedule. Like he really is actually pretty freaking good, um, but I don't think it's the same thing with Dax Milne. I think Dax Milne benefits more from playing against crappy de- defensive backs. Yeah. Um and a crappier teams and having a great quarterback like Zach Wilson throw to him, right? Trust him. Um, they've been roommates, I guess, for a while. So there's obviously good chemistry there. He he's killing it. He's over a thousand yards receiving yeah. this season, or he's close or something. I can't remember yeah. but.
0: although you, you mean you could argue I mean, we've played a few games against talented teams. I'd say Houston, you know, they didn't look too hot this year, but they are a talented football team. Boise State's got, you know, P five level mm, talent. Houston's
1: defence is okay, but yeah. Yeah. And then
0: and then UCF I know they're not like a defensive team but these are teams with athletic guys on the defensive side of the ball so I think if we can if we see them replicate the same type of numbers we've seen throughout the year against UCF I would say it's a pretty good indication that they are for real and obviously we'll have to see how Dax does without an NFL quarterback uh, throwing him the ball next year but
1: hot take by the way Gunnar Romney's not that good. Eh. I mean, okay, that's not fair. He's good, but like, he's not as good as he's everybody just, wants. Him to be. He's overshadowed by Dax, and that's, yeah. i
0: mean, that—that that kind of tell you right there. Because Gunnar Romney is a guy out of high school who was kind of expected to possibly be an NFL, like the next Austin Collie type of guy. Was he really? Were they really saying? Oh yeah, that? I know Gunnar. Yeah, Gunnar Romney was just as hyped out of high school as Collie was, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That sounds crazy. Yeah, right Yeah, and,
0: and so the fact that Dax is outperforming him should to me is an indication that he he could be an NFL type. Problem of guy, is
1: yeah. Gunnar Romney may have been touted like Austin Collie, but he turned out to be more like Mitch Matthews. And yes, that is an insult yeah. because we know how I feel about but, Mitch Matthews. But
0: I mean Gunnar's statistics this year aren't that much worse than Dax. Right? No,
1: neither were Mitch Matthews's. I'm just saying the real reason why I think he's like Mitch Matthews is because he's actually kind of soft. Yeah. He's freaking soft. Mitch Matthews pissed me off time and time again because he didn't know how to use his God-given, unbelievable talent. By the way, the guy's 6'6", can jump out of the freaking building, and never high-pointed a ball in his life. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude! I could like the, even the Nebraska catch, the hail mary that Tanner Mangum threw there with his eyes closed. <laughs> he cradles the ball in the end zone. And it's like that was a terrible defense by Nebraska. That was not Mitch Matthews using a six-six frame. And, by the way, probably, no joke, he probably was pushing a 40-inch vertical. The dude, like, could throw it down super easy. Like, I had seen it. And doesn't even use it. Waits for the ball to come to him. And it's like, because he was always so scared of getting hit. He was always so scared of getting hit. That guy would look around more than anyone whenever there was slight contact anywhere to the ref and just be like, where's the flag? Where's the flat? And it's like, dude, use your freaking body first yeah. and then complain.
0: So tell me this. Which receiver in recent BYU history, other than Austin Collie, is better than Dax Mill? Ooh, that's a good question.
1: Uh, Cody Hoffman, for sure. Yeah. Cody, right. Cody Hoffman would... Although, he would have over 1,000 yards this season, for sure. Cody Co-
0: wasn't as good after the catch. Cody Cody was great going up and getting the ball. making. Yeah, just, he what Cody, I think he you're seeing he,
1: here, though, is that Cody played against way better defenses.
0: Yeah, I mean... And that's
1: overall my point. Like, Cody... Dude, Cody could have... Yeah, I promise you Cody Hoffman would have over a 1,000 yards this year. I, I promise you, dude. I, I think you're right. We have played garbage teams this year, dude. Texas State, Cody Hoffman might have gotten 500 all-purpose yards <laughs> because he would be returning kicks, too.
0: Yeah, no, he was good. Cody was good. I'd say that's the one you could throw out there. Um, but besides that, I, Dax might be one of the.
1: Oh, and uh, Mitch Jerkins.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> He did catch that one against Boise State. You got to give him some credit for that one.
1: I actually yeah. really did like Mitch Jurgens. No, no, did.
0: he worked hard. He yeah. worked. He worked hard. He was he was the Bronc. He was like the epitome of a the, Bronco of the player. Bronco Rudy player, player. Yeah, just undersized sure. guy that just works hard. He was kind of the, a better Mickle.
1: Yeah, there's the there's got to be other receivers out there though. By the way,
0: yeah, Todd Watkins.
1: Not since Austin Collie though.
0: Yeah, well, he was the same time as Collie. Collie was still
1: after Watkins. So yeah, Collie played true. in 07. Watkins was gone in like '04.
0: 5, 5 He played through 0-5, Yeah. Are you sure he yeah, played yeah, in 0-5? Yeah. yeah, he played in '05. Okay. He, he was a little bit worse in 0-5 than 0-4, but he, he was yeah, fast. Yeah, he did
1: play 0-5, didn't he? Because we went to the Las Vegas Bowl against Cal, and I remember he was actually catching with his hands that game.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people gave him a lot of crap for dropping balls. I don't think he dropped any more balls than any other receiver. I think they were just more obvious when he dropped them because they were like touchdown catches that he would do,
1: Dude, yeah, they weigh more heavily. Yeah. Well, they weigh more heavily because they were like right in his hands and he was on a breakaway. It's like every The reason why we remember it that way is because you never see guys drop balls in those situations but somehow Watkins did it Like seven times.
0: Well, we we don't know what it's like to try to catch a ball when you're running 4 2 Good point. (laughs) That's fair. But but those years, it's so funny, the Croton years, those were my most passionate years as a BYU fan. Uh, I cared more during the Croton years than I think I have during any other time. Oh,
1: we'll have plenty of Croton times to to talk about in the future. Croton's, (laughs) Croton's one of our favorite humans in the world. Oh, yeah. Like classic quote. In fact, I tried to find it bump for the bumper that we have at the beginning of the podcast where he says after the Stanford game, which I was at this game. Yeah, I mean, I would have been in like I don't know middle school at this point, but <laughs> they. When they're, <laughs> they're up by two against Stanford. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, do you know the context I better think the, I I do? think the
0: context was we, we passed the ball when we were up too late in the game. It must have been, like, late in the fourth. But it was late early. in the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it was late in the game. Like, BYU just had to keep running the ball to, like, run out the clock. Instead, they, like, pass. And it's, like, on a first or second down, I think. Like, it yeah. wasn't, like, a situation where it was, like, oh, we need a first, so we need to kind of maybe air it out. He passes it, and it's, like, kind of early on in just our whole – where we are in the field and it gets picked off. Yeah. And everyone's... And, and, and this is the thing is that... Even that happens at times where it's like, ah, oh, shoot, lapse of, like, lapse of uh, judgment right there, like bad call in the moment. But he doubled down. That was the best part is that he doubled down. After the game, I think Greg Rebell asked him, I think, I don't know, it probably wasn't Greg Rebell, but it, somebody asked him, someone in the media was like, coach, what was the uh, reasoning behind <laughs> behind passing the ball in that <laughs> situation? Because everyone's wondering it. Like, what, why would you ever do that in that situation? Fair question, right? Which, no joke, a more level-headed person would be like, you know, uh, we were kind of thinking along these lines, like we thought maybe we could catch him off guard, like they were expecting the run, so maybe we could do this and just kind of really, really end the game in that moment. That's more of an acceptable answer. Still not great, but it's acceptable. But instead, Croton decides to say, well, you know, uh, I'd rather win by nine than two.
0: I want to win by nine, not two. And I remember, I remember the quote specifically because shortly after that, a website emerged on the internet, firecroton.com. And I wish that it still existed because there was a picture of Croton on the front page of the website and there was a bubble coming out of his mouth and it says, I want to win by nine, not two, exclamation point. And that, 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 was the, uh, that was the cover page of the firecroton.com website. And they ended up getting their way. They did get fired. Like, okay.
1: God bless that man. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. That response is incredible. Like, I, I, I want to win by nine, not by two. And it's like...
0: <laughs> I want to win football games.
1: You don't have a follow-up question to that. There is no follow-up question to that. Yeah. Like, if he tries to explain his way out of it, like, you know, we were just in the moment and things got away from us, people are like, okay, well, what are you going to do to prevent that moving forward? But I want to win by nine, not by two. It's like, all right. Next question. <laughs> <Moving> so, <on. laughs> so speaking
0: of Croton, I feel like this is a good segue into, you look at that 2001 season he gave us, this season feels almost like a, a, an identical season to that 2001 season where you, you tear apart a crappy schedule. Bad it, defense. You get to the end of the year, and then the, the committee, in that time it was the BCS, just isn't respecting you enough, and then you get you basically get wiped out of consideration before you even lose a game. And then we went on to have a disappointing last game. We got blown out by Hawaii. And, and then we go on to lose our bull game. And this season has a lot of those same vibes. And the question is, is this team better than that 2001 team?
1: Uh, yeah. I actually do think this team is better than that 2001 team. This is just off the cuff. Like, yes, I think they are. Because I think our offense is way more legit. I, I think our 2000... Well... The biggest, the biggest referendum against the two thousand one season is how bad that schedule was, yeah. and that's a lot like what we're seeing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, in two thousand one, we did play Cal, which it's a P five team, I guess, but I, I think that was the year they went zero and twelve, and wasn't that the year Homo was their coach, or it was like one and eleven? I'm pretty sure Tom Homo was the head coach yeah, that year. Yeah. And so that was like our one half decent win, and then Utah was like a half decent win that year. But besides that, that schedule was garbage. At least this year had some decent teams. Now granted, Boise State kind of ruined our win by losing to San Jose this week. Um, so I think the UCF game is actually going to be the determining factor whether this team is truly the better team. Was Zach Wilson better than John Beck or Max Hall?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, he's probably... That's, a, that's actually a really good question. Like, at BYU, I think... You got to go, John Beck, then Max Hall, right? Just between those two. Yeah, I would. Right? Well,
0: Max Hall gave us more good seasons, but John Beck's senior season is hard to beat.
1: It is hard to beat, and that's kind of what you just have to base it all off yeah. of. That Max Hall was a lot more manic in his mm-hmm. approach, which makes a lot of sense considering his attitude and yeah. personality. But like, it's like we we lived by Max Hall, we died by Max Hall. John Beck didn't allow himself to be that much in the pitcher. Like he was a better game manager than Max Hall. He was way more consistent. Max Hall was like a more accurate passer probably than John Beck, but John Beck just got it done in ways he was I think he was a lot smarter. He was a lot more calm and calculated. So I'd give that to John Beck over Max Hall. Zach Wilson fitting into that mix is interesting. I think talent wise Zach Wilson has them both by kind of a lot. Yeah. I think I think raw talent, Zach Wilson's like way better than all yeah. the other two.
0: He has a better. I mean, John Beck had an arm actually, but John Beck could throw the ball seventy five yards in the air. Yeah. But I would say Zach Wilson's better at accurately throwing the ball downfield.
1: He's way faster than
0: both of and he's, them, and he's and he's a better runner. He's actually yeah. a threat. Beck was like a, Beck was serviceable running the ball. He but he was too small. He would when he when he tried to run the ball, he got blown up. Yeah. I still remember. I think the first game he played in was USC in two thousand three, and he got absolutely obliterated when he tried to run the ball against them. But he, he was he was quick. But yeah, Wilson's definitely. All right. Good. So,
1: moving on from that, let's talk about BYU basketball now. Um, it's looking pretty promising, coming off of a an awesome uh, win against San Diego State in an almost heartbreaking fashion that that we almost we almost lost. We, there was a fourteen over run there at the end of the game in San Diego State. Anyway, we don't need to talk game by game yet. I mean, we'll get more into games as as the season progresses, as we get into conference play and everything, which is coming pretty soon. But I want to talk just more about the season as a whole and, like, what we have to be excited about and kind of moving forward, what we think our expectations are and what this team looks like.
0: Well, I just love – I love that Mark Pope has been able to take a completely different set of players this year. And already, you know, nine games into the season, it already feels like we're a tournament team again. And uh, the fact that you, last year we were this hyper-efficient, offensive-minded team – this year, we're literally the exact opposite of that team, a rebounding, rim-protecting, just tough, gritty team with lots of long athletes. It's its pretty impressive that Mark Pope's been able to turn that all around in one year and be successful at it again. And you know, we still have a lot of basketball to play. Who knows what's going to happen? But I, now we've at least got that signature win under our belt that as long as we do what we normally do in the WCC, then you would think this would be a team that would uh, make the tournament.
1: That's the first tier one win we've had this season, by the way, right? Yeah,
0: no, that should, and St. John's is probably up there. I don't know how they've done since we played them. Yeah. But that's definitely the the win of the year so far for us. and In a year that doesn't look... We might not get our annual Gonzaga win this year the way they're just destroying oh man, everyone they play. They
1: look monstrous.
0: We've got like three top ten wins in the first four games, so I think we might have to uh, take a bye on this year as far as beating Gonzaga goes. <laughs> But, um, no, I think it's a good team. I think right now, if I had to guess where we're headed, I would say we're in that 8 to 11 seed range, depending on how things go the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, that's probably a pretty fair prediction at this point, I'd say. Um, I think uh, what I like a lot about Mark Pope specifically, I mean, we stagnated beyond all belief with Rose, and I have my personal, like, not personal issues with Rose, not like I know the guy, but um, I do just kind of have, like, weird gripes and biases against Rose. We don't have to get into those now. But, like, Pope, to me, was such a godsend in so many ways. Um, And I think what we're finally seeing now, specifically when it comes to the WCC, is what we thought we were going to see right away when we joined the WCC, but didn't. Because that happened to come right when Rose lost Jimmer, and thus his ability to coach a normal team again. Yeah. Because it all went out the door then, and, like, just naturally, BYU was going to be a kind of a force to be reckoned with to some degree. Yeah. But St. Mary's bullied the hell out of us. And we thought we were going to come into this conference and it was just going to be a Gonzaga-BYU conference. Like, St. Mary's was kind of just going to always play third fiddle to those two, like, big brothers. That didn't happen. We were the third fiddle. Yeah. But pretty much the whole time Rose was in the WCC. It was kind of embarrassing in that respect. Not not to say that St. Mary's was, like, just pure garbage. Obviously not. They were good. They, have, they do have a good coach, as much as I freaking hate that guy. Hate that guy. Yeah. Um, St. Mary's obviously was good, but I, they, it was just we. It's almost like we had no business being on their court, and that was what was ridiculous. It's like we didn't even give them good games half the time. It seemed like, and then the close ones we primarily seemed to lose. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that the trajectory is kind of right where I thought it should have been. As soon as we joined the WCC, even though we lost to St. Mary's twice, we were the better team, and coming into this year like it just kind of seems like at least finally Pope's going to beat St. Mary's most of the time that's I'd like just kind of give us an indication of where we're really at in the context of the conference at large well
0: hopefully this year just the way we're shaking up with with our style of basketball hopefully we can handle St. Mary's a little easier I think in the past we've always kind of had this undersized team that lives and dies by the three and now we've got a team that can bruise around a little bit Mm -hmm. and I wonder if St. Mary's is going to be able to uh, compete with that this year I, I don't know. I haven't watched St. Mary's play this year, so I don't know what kind of basketball they're well,
1: playing. Well, but. but one thing, too, that along those lines is that, like, we always had a hard time protecting, like, shooters, uh, oh. like, teams yeah. that shoot well against us. But Pope has brought defense finally back to BYU. Oh. And that's been the best thing to see is that these players actually care and they want to play hard and play defense well and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, besides Mark Pope being an amazing thing for BYU basketball, obviously, in the last decade... Um, no joke, one of the best things to happen to BYU basketball... He, in fact, he might be the best thing to, to happen to BYU basketball is Bitch Koviak from up north.
0: Uh, <laughs> I was like, who is that?
1: I freaking hate that guy, but at the same time, I kind of love him because yeah. he loses recruits left and right and like these recruits either come to BYU or just don't go to Utah. Yeah. And I love that. And Chris Koviak's a bitch. Did I mention that? And so... He's been a great for BYU basketball, at, at, like at large. Quite frankly, in fact, that includes the time when Nick Emery went to Harry Potter World.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, a great time for BYU basketball too. Obviously,
0: we never got to find out what house Nick Emery is from. <laughs> that's, I just, that's a
1: good point. That's yeah. also one of the nerdiest things you've ever said in your life. But.
0: Yeah, well, in my defense, I never read the seventh
1: book. Actually, what a. What well, house do you think he'd be from? You know he, you know he knows he's a Gryffindor. He's, you know that
0: he's probably a Hufflepuff. If my, <laughs> if, if, if my, if my, uh, if my Harry Potter knowledge of the Harry Potter universe is correct, I think Hufflepuff would would fit his personality. And if you read his blog, he sounds like a Hufflepuff.
1: There's no question he's an idiot by the way he writes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's either got too many commas or none, <laughs> and it's just so inarticulate. But and and I love how it all plays out, even in the way he tweets. Like when you have a recruit coming excited to go to BYU, and he, he's like, "Hey man, I'm happy for you, but like, don't trust that coach."
0: And <laughs> in, in, in Nick's defense, he has tried to repent of that multiple times, and I don't think he's taken another shot at BYU since then. So he, he's
1: actually tried to he's apologized for that. Yeah,
0: he has, and now he like overcompensates for it whenever he gets a chance. He's like. Obnoxiously pro BYU whenever he, he gets an opportunity now, so uh, I'll forgive the kid. It's it's water under the bridge at this point. No, he's an idiot, dude. Screw <laughs> sure. that guy, dude. That's fair.
1: I'm so no no joke. Him leaving the program was like there's a new sheriff in town. Pope's like a an no and he's like you don't fit the program. Get the hell out. Like yeah. there, no no question. That's how that played out.
0: Well, that's kind of an indictment on Rose that the fact that Pope showed up and kind of put an end to that nonsense was the last straw for him to to leave the program so I think Rose lost I think he lost touch with the job as a coach of controlling the culture of your program I, th- I think for Rose, it was all about just the X's and O's and getting the right players it's on kinda, the team. It's looking good for yeah. BYU basketball. I'm really excited about that. I'm shocked we were able to get him into a seven-year deal. I mean, I I well, always... Honestly, c-
1: he's kind of meaningless, though, right?
0: Yeah, because he could always get bought now. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 but it, it is good to see that BYU's at least committed to keeping him. I
1: agree. Yeah. I agree. You don't really see that a whole lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a long contract.
1: Yeah. And, so. like, let's... We'll cover contracts another time, yeah. but the way, like, I have a whole rant that I'm going to get to at some point when it comes to how Homo is with contracts and yeah, all funny. that stuff. And yeah, we'll we'll get to that in another yeah. time. But let's just know going forward, we're pretty confident about BYU basketball. It's going to be fun yeah. to see how that plays out and see how we can stack up against Gonzaga moving yeah, forward
0: for sure. Well, should we throw down some uh, predictions for the football game? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, what do you have something in mind? I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's going to, we're going to hit the over, whether we win or lose. I think the, I think it'll be both teams in the upper 30s or 40s. And I think it'll, I'm, I'm going to say, I have to pick the Cougs. I'm going to go 42-38 Cougs. We're going to be down 35-38, to 38, and then we'll hit a, a game-winning touchdown in the last minute. I know I made it sound
1: like I think we're going to lose. As, well, no, no, I didn't make it sound like that. I basically, I said that at the beginning of the podcast. I am flipping on that. I actually, after talking it through and everything, I do think we'll win. And, uh, it'll, I yeah, I think your spread is about right, probably. And probably that score is about right as well. Only yeah. I, mean, I would go even a little bit higher. I think it might be like 45, 42, oh. 40, 41, something like that. But, but we are saying BYU doesn't beat the spread at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think we'll beat them by 7 or more. I think it'll be a one-position game, and it's going to be a who-has-the-ball-last situation.
1: Could very well be. I could see us... You know what I actually think I could see playing out is it's basically just like who has the ball is scoring, and then whoever gets the fortunate interception or fumble recovery. And this year, you know, BYU's not throwing a lot of interceptions. We're not fumbling the ball a whole lot either, so that, that might be very advantageous for us as well. Or I don't also, know like- what... Central Florida's turnover ratio is like, but
0: yeah, I mean their their quarterbacks. I think his stats are almost identical to Zach's. I think they're both thirty. I think Zach's thirty and three in Central Florida. Gabriel, he's thirty and four on inter- touchdowns to interceptions. So, wow. so they, I mean they're yeah maybe so might come right who
1: gets the lucky turnover then. Yep. All right, one
0: last question before we wrap things up. So,
1: the Wet Bandits were they gonna kill Kevin? <laughs> Well, they were going to bite his fingers off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, when you when you are just, like, determined to bite a child's fingers off, you're going to murder him, right?
0: I mean, I feel like I've never heard of someone having their fingers bitten off and then you leave it at that. Leave it at
1: that. I, I, so they were going to kill him. I don't think they were going to bite his fingers off and then kill him. I think they were, like, actually going to do horrendous things to a child. Like, that's, that's not talked about in this movie at all. There's zero mention that these guys are actually deranged lunatics. That
0: movie could have turned really dark. Maybe the deleted scenes... It kind of
1: did, but it just gets glossed over because old man Marley comes in in the nick of time and beats him with a shovel. But these guys were going to bite a child's fingers off (laughs) one by one while he was alive. I can only imagine how that would have escalated and how not only were they going to murder him, but in what fashion and how they were going to leave his body.
0: Well, they were probably going to drown him in the, uh, in the basement where Marv had uh, gotten some kind of sexual excitement out of leaving the water on <laughs> <laughs> No question, that was a fetish. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the little smile on his face when he comes walking. That's like the best part of the whole movie. He comes out with his little grin, and uh, Harry knows what's up. Not just he a did. grin,
1: dude. He was laughing. You up, did it again, dude. didn't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why
1: do you got to do that, man? Alright, well, I think that, that sums it up for me. Merry Christmas, everybody.